We're here in the most peaceful apartment building in Kabashito. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Well, hopefully this week is much quieter <laughs> than last week's very go round in the background. It's a very pleasant um, February evening in Buenos Aires. I don't know why I looked at my watch when checking the month. It's, it's not got that sophisticated yet. Uh, I'm Sam Kelly, and sitting here with me are Dan. Hello. And Dan. Hello. And a new guest this week, who we've been trying to get on here since the first week, and who hopefully is going to be kind of semi-regular from now on, um, Seba Garcia of the very excellent Mundo Abbey Celeste. Seba, welcome down the pod. Hola, gracias. Thank you for having me, and why semi-regular? Oh, well, regular. regular. Yeah, if you want to be regular, like. it, it all depends oh, yeah. on whether your, your son allows you to attend weekly, but yeah. All right, yeah, I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him. <laughs> Zombies just started chasing his own tail, ladies and gentlemen. This is our other semi-regular, pretty much regular person. <laughs> <laughs> right. Zombie, Unfortunately, bata. I forgot my camera, because I really wish I could have got a picture of that for the... Just, he just heard Pedazzo, he's not going to be fired. <laughs> yeah. The AFA, so... Yeah. We, we may as well start with that point, since I was going to say Serba, but in fact Zombie has so adequately introduced it. The Sudamericano Sub-20, the under-20 South American Championships, finished on Saturday, Sunday, the weekend. Saturday. So we're going to rip the plaster off and, and get it over with really quickly, because... Well, they, they achieved what they were aiming for, according to... According, <laughs> according to, to Perazzo, yeah. yeah. Even Batista said something outrageous, in my opinion. He I, said... Yeah, I read it today. He said, um, what was it? It was, uh, all of you guys didn't give two hoots, let's say, to be polite, when we won the Olympics last time. So why do you care now that we're not going to be in it? Exactly. We're essentially his words, yeah, which is yeah, a fairly outrageous thing. Because to me, yeah, the Olympics did mean quite a lot. In case anyone and wasn't up to, up to date, they, uh, so Argentina finished, uh, where did they finish on the table? Third. Third, third. so they, they missed out on the Olympics, but, the but they did qualify for the, for the World Cup in the, Colombia. The point, of course, is that third place is, is nowhere. Second place was the be-all and end-all. Yeah. They didn't want to win it. Uh, <laughs> it. It's a very strange championship in that respect, I think, because nobody really gives a toss who finishes top. No one see it, un- unless they are the country. That, I mean, Brazil, obviously, would have been delighted to have won it, but... I doubt Uruguay would have been too disappointed, even though they lost 6-0 in the last match. It, it, it's all about qualification for the... Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the last game, Uruguay v Brazil, and you could kind of see, I think, they went in, t- correct me if I'm wrong, but 2-0 down at, half, down at half-time. Then they got a penalty just after, just inside the second half, was skied miles over, and then Brazil went up the other end and scored. And yeah. Basically, you could just see the Uruguay players think, well, that's it. That's it, you know, like, um, we don't really need to try anymore. And Brazil just took the piss basically in the in the last half. Yeah, but they got to the Olympics for I think the first time in 84 years, yep. which is a big you know a big thing for Uruguay. So like, congratulations! Yeah. And they won two goals very early in the Olympics, just before the World Cup was ever played. Right. Yeah, which is why and they hosted the first World Cup. In fact, yeah, exactly. They in, in so they're gonna. There, there is going to be a South American team trying to win a third goal, but it's not going to be Argentina, unfortunately. Yeah. No. And yeah, it's a bit like when, when you play second division, as long as you get promoted, you don't care. If yeah. you're first or second, 
you can promote it. And that, that's that's why what Uruguayans were feeling, I think. And and the important thing is that they went into that game knowing that they were already qualified for London 2012. And and Brazil, in, on the other hand, they needed to avoid defeat by a yeah. big margin, and they won by a big margin. So mm -hmm. they, they have the, the South American title, and I don't think they care that much about that. Uh, but yeah, they care about going to London and trying to win the first gold medal for Brazil. Mm -hmm. They never won it. The, the football in the 2004 yeah. Athens games was the first gold that Argentina had ever won, wasn't it? Apart from the test event in the polo in the 50s. Yeah, they, and, and, and Argentina won two golds uh, on the same day in Athens. Mm, yeah. uh, the, the, the football and the basketball yeah. was probably the, the proudest moment support, as, an, as an Argentina supporter of every discipline. It was really huge that day. It's, it's one of my favourite pieces of Olympic trivia, since, since we're talking about this now. I've no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, at the 2004 Athens Olympics, all of the gold medal winners were given these kind of wreaths along with their medals. That the only gold medal winner who didn't get one in the entire Athens Olympic Games was Carlos Tevez, because he was standing right at the end of the queue and they ran out while they were giving out... <laughs> things to the squad I don't know if they gave one to one too many of the technical team or something but they didn't have one for Terrace or, or something <laughs> and he was the best player in that tournament <laughs> yeah. so you're a big Perasso fan right Seba um, tell us why you like him so much first of all I, I, I can't understand why he was appointed to, in such an important role actually that's something we, we didn't talk about last week was yeah. where, where does he come from where, like, what's his history I, I am old enough to remember him playing for San Lorenzo as a striker and he was a good Go poacher and, and uh, I think he was one of the best in the 80s but then he's got no managerial pedigree and he started coaching at uh, El Porvenir which is a team in the southern yeah. greater Buenos Aires area I've, I've managed them I'm football manager right I so didn't you know very well the players are useless black and white stripes and, and it's a probably not a trivia bit of information but it's the closest to where I was living throughout all my childhood it's the closest football club that I had and yeah they play in the in the lower divisions in, in Argentina and the key bit of information here is that the president Mr. Merelas is a very good friend of Grondona that's all you need to know he didn't he didn't do quite well at El Porvenir either and then he went to work at San Lorenzo for the youth teams in a way similar to Batista he doesn't have any pedigree mm -hmm. yeah. he was just part of the it's not a minor feat to be part of the World Cup winning team in 86 mm -hmm. And then Grondona decided to give all these guys a chance with Diego. And then Garre, who is the manager of the under-17s now. All these other guys that were around. Enrique as an assistant of, of Diego. So do you blame uh, Perazzo for Argentina not qualifying? Yeah, I do. I do. Can you see any 100%. kind of reason to his decision, Seba? Because we were saying last week that... Um, actually, I think I might have said on Twitter during the week that Maradona kind of comes across as a bit of a lunatic. And Batista, you can debate, given the experience he had, prior to joining the, the senior national side whether he should have got the job or not but Perazzo with the decisions he made throughout the tournament just comes across as just a complete idiot not not mad or a not very good manager but just, just a really stupid man I mean why would you <laughs> yeah. why, why leave out the man of the match in the previous game for a match that you've got to win by a really heavy scoreline yeah, my, my biggest problem with him is, is the way he approached the game against Uruguay we still had a, a, one more match after that against Colombia, the worst team in the final round. With a win against Uruguay, you were through. And that was all you needed. And if you go for a win, yeah, you could lose, you could you could draw. And a draw would have been good. But he went all out for a draw. 
and then when we went behind in the score, he kept making these silly substitutions and taking out a defensive midfielder and replacing him with another <laughs> defensive midfielder, yeah. and keeping a lot of the most talented players on the bench, and that was just suicide, in my opinion. And but frankly, they don't see it the same way we do. They they think the important thing was to qualify for the Youth World Cup, which is something that is has to be a given, you know, like... Yeah. You it's, it's something that didn't happen two years ago, in fairness. With Batista um, as manager, which, yeah. which was more of the same. Uh, there was a very similar kind of lack of tactics and lack of uh, an idea that you could see uh, developed throughout the tournament. We all, we all we could see was long ball after long ball, and we were not even winning those long balls, you know. And I mean, he is the main, the main culprit, in my opinion, and, and I think the main problem is that he didn't didn't want to qualify for the Olympics as much as we, the fans. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about the manager, and obviously, like as we've established, he made a lot of mistakes. His kind of selection policy tactics throughout the tournament were a disaster. But what would you say about the actual players, kind of? Because at the end of the day, they're the ones that do it on the pitch. I mean, do yeah. you see that? Is it a bad sign for kind of Argentina in the future? Are the players not there, or is it? No, I don't think the players are not there. The, the reason why is that if you look at previous South American uh, under 20s, even that team that that Batista failed to take to the World Cup has a, a couple of uh, that team had a couple of interesting players, and they're gonna move on to have good to great careers in some cases. And if you look at Iturbe, he's already signed for European side yeah. FC Porto. He's gonna move in June if I'm if I'm not wrong. He's gonna be a great talent. Yeah. But also a couple of other guys like. Bruno Suculini, another under 17, was given uh, three years of advantage to the other, to, to all the other players, because he was three years younger, and that's a huge advantage at, at that age. Uh, the, the goalkeeper Andrada was is very talented, and a couple of midfielders, Bataglia, Cardoso, Mosca. But if there is one player I, I have a problem with, is has to be Sergio Araujo, because yeah. because of the attitude, more of uh, of the more than the lack of talent. I don't think he, he's not talented. I think he's a very good prospect. But the way he grabbed the ball when he was fouled uh, against the, Ecuador, the penalty, yeah. yeah, he he was he did a he did a good job uh, getting fouled in the area and, and winning uh, earning a penalty for Argentina. But then he grabbed the ball. He was a sub. I, I doubt he was a designated no, player. No, but I talked about it after the game, and he said they had three guys who had practice penalties, and it was Funes Mori and two of the others, and not. So that's that's proof of what you said, Sam. Pedazo is an idiot because if that happens, he should you, have been subbed straight yeah. off. No, but not only that. Yeah, yeah, not only that. But you you don't say it to the to the media. You keep it quiet. I mean, <laughs> you're just opening up and saying, yeah, yeah it was a he was terrible the mistake. First take, yeah. He was not even the third choice. Now I'm hearing. <laughs> I, I didn't know this. Yeah. And then he slipped. It could happen to anyone, but. He should. He shouldn't be taking that penalty kick. And then Argentina needed to win. Even if we, uh, if that game against Colombia ended in a nine-nil win for Argentina, it wouldn't have been enough because the damage was already done in the previous game against Uruguay. But anyway, we were two-nil up, and, and Araujo hits a Colombian defender off the ball, Caesar red card, and, and and off you go. So that's the only player I really have a problem with because of the attitude. But I also I also think. Is the manager's responsibility uh, in a way that 
if you send a clear message to the players, they will they will yeah. react in, a, in an appropriate way. Obviously, Perazzo didn't do it. And that game against Uruguay, out of frustration, they were getting yellow cards after yellow cards. They were very terrible attitudes that I remember watching the, the youth national teams before the Peckerman era with the, the great Mostaza Merlo as manager and Carlos Pachamé. Those were really, really horrible teams to watch mm -hmm. and, and also very terrible attitude. And Peckerman not only was winning things, he was doing it the beautiful way and he was also winning every fair play award that was given in those tournaments. And that's something we really miss and that's something I won't forgive Perasso for. We're going to watch the next Olympics and Argentina is not going to be there to yeah, defend the two consecutive goals. Yeah. I think probably just kind of like to say the last thing on the Sudamericano because there's quite a lot of stuff to say this week like we talked about the players that were there but I think important as well for Argentina is the players that weren't there because River especially stopped players like um, Eric Lamela, Pereira and uh, Lanzini. Lanzini as well like three of probably the best young players in, in Argentina from going and given that Brazil kind of had the use of Neymar who is now kind of a recognised world star or full international can you think that's at all justified by River to hold on to their players like that? Uh, that's interesting. That right after the game, Mano Meneses, the, the manager of Brazil, the, sen the, the senior national team, he was congratulating the boys and he also said, and congratulations to all the clubs, because I know it was hard to, to let these players go, but there's your reward and you're also a South American champion now and you're also going to the Olympics. Congratulations to you. And I think that's that's really spot on from him. That's something, unfortunately, it didn't happen here, and and it didn't happen in previous tournaments either. So, um, yeah, I, I hear a lot of directors and presidents of clubs complain about the, the the state of the national team, and then when they have to do their part, they they hide and, and yeah. they don't uh, take the responsibility. Uh, I understand that River is uh, they, they they have a tough situation. They have to play to avoid relegation. For the first time in the club's history, it would be a tragedy for them if it happens. And I understand they, they wanted to keep these players. Plus, they did already send six players as well. So yeah, exactly. It's yeah, a bit harsh so to ask for. But I don't know. If Pasarela thinks Funes Mori is worth 15 <laughs> million euros, yeah. he should have kept him as well. well <laughs> you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Pasarela yeah. thinks we can get that much for him. But Are we ready for the, you know, the weekly rant? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just going to. I'll calm him down for now, but I'll just say that. Passarella asked, asked for Lancini and Lamela not to go, and he didn't mind Funes Mori going. Yeah, you know, yeah, he, he yeah. knows that Funes Mori that is the player story, that yeah. the club, that the European clubs are interested in. But I, I'm starting to wonder whether he's also starting to realise that he's not really, for River, you know, the most valuable player. So yeah, an opportunity lost there, and we're going to the Youth World Cup, and if we're going to be with Perasso at the helm, I'm not, I'm not even interested in in, in this team because. They didn't even show an intention to play attractive or, or beautiful game, passing game, attacking even. So that's, I think it's a disgrace. And now he's got the backing of the AFA, of course, because they put him there and they won't uh, accept the mistake. So if, um, if I'm not mistaken, then the Sudamericano under-17 is starting soon. <laughs> and from what you were saying earlier, the, the manager of that side is is in the job for the same reason that Perazzo is in the job. Did I can't remember his name? But yeah, it's a Carré. Carré is a it's a legend of Ferro Carrillo Este. Mm. Yeah. Is he, he going to be better as, better as a manager? I mean, what are you expecting? From yeah, him? I'm hoping he's better, and I, I think he's a bit more experienced. And uh, but I haven't seen him that much, to be honest. I, I I'm not familiar with the way he wants his teams to play. Doesn't have a lot of 
pedigree either, but mm, neither did Peckerman when he was appointed. Uh, all we knew from Peckerman was that he used to drive a taxi when, <laughs> when the going was tough. <laughs> you know, when he got there with a serious project, and I think it was the the, the one decision Grondona got really spot on during his 35 <laughs> or many many years, <laughs> many years in charge. Got one right, and yeah, exactly. And then he fired him. So, <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't have a lot of uh, hopes on on Garre. When it comes to the under 17s, I think it's even more important for for the manager to try and talk about to the players about the attitude and the, the style of play yeah. the style to try of and play. get a, exactly. a coherent tactic and some co- continuity in the team yeah exactly yeah and not so pressure not, not so much pressure on on the results because yeah. no. yeah. Perazzo on the other, last last thing about Perazzo is he preached one thing and he did the other mm. before the tournament he said I don't want to put pressure on the players on getting results and all that is this is just uh, a learning experience for them and then he sends them to defend, to sit back <laughs> against Uruguay and try to to get a point for for all the, for, yeah. for their lives. And obviously, he failed at, any, at everything he tried. <laughs> yeah, basically, he failed in both the <laughs> yeah. both the possible outcomes: development or winning. He yeah. managed to which is football. you know a feat yeah. in itself, I guess. Sp- speaking of failure, it's now possibly time to move on to the weekend's league action and discuss Mystic Dan's woeful <laughs> performance. <laughs> As I, was, as I was explaining before we came on air, um, there's actually three options for each result. So, you know, I think I got four out of ten. So, you know, that's probably about a par, considering there's three options for each. So. In, in several other options, you were just, just <laughs> one result run. Well, if you'd given, like, a monkey a, a crayon and given it, like, a, a piece of paper with the fixtures on it, there's a chance it would have done but worse than me. But if it's three options for every game, you got four out of 30. <laughs> you, get, yeah. you get worse. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, anyway, I think the big result for the was probably the Boca game, right? Yeah, the, yeah. The shellacking that they got. The shellacking. Yeah. And especially according to the point that you made last week, Sam, where where you talked about how much how intense it is on Boca and how there's a spotlight on them all the time. Yeah, and I was. Um, it was, I was so important for them to get to get a, a good start, and they and they got hammered. And I was hoping you'd bring that up, Dan. <laughs> um, and not only because I'm a River fan, but yeah, I mean, it, it was the same kind of thing that I suggested really is and, and you can see uh, they're, they're travelling this week to to Racing to Racing. of course they are yeah it's the classic off isn't it which isn't gonna, again isn't going to be an easy game and you can see the. I mean you can imagine the pressure starting to build on Falcioni already you know if, if they get another poor result and if they get off to that that much of a slow start obviously they will have their Sudamericano sub-20 star Sergio Araujo back <laughs> they've got something to, to hang on to now but I, I was particularly amused actually Yesterday morning, I logged onto the Olay website and found a, a poll on the homepage asking Boca fans <laughs> whether they thought that it was Juan Román Riquelme's fault that they conceded four goals on the basis that he was the player who'd been brought in. Like, he didn't play any of the summer tournaments, Boca did fantastically in those. And then he gets introduced to the first league game and they concede four, and therefore it must be Riquelme's fault, even though he's got nothing to do with trying to stop <laughs> goals being scored. Well, there he scored scored on his debut, which, you know, kind of bittersweet for him, I, I guess, because it's a good start for him personally. Yeah, um, what was the deal with him grabbing the the, the Boca badge on, on his shirt? It's a kind of a, yeah, yeah he, he had a th- second thoughts after he scored. He grabbed the, the badge and he said, oh, wait, what am I doing here? <laughs> and he kept running towards the midfield. <laughs> Perhaps it wasn't Riquelme's fault, but uh, I was reading an editorial today talking about how perhaps the worst players on the pitch were yeah, Riquelme, who was just out of form and, and not uh, out of, uh, 
his fitness wasn't up to scratch either, and possibly Batalla and Palermo. And the goalkeeper. Also Garcia, Garcia. yeah, had a, had a right, nightmare. Right, yeah, the shocker yeah. as well. But yeah. it's, the, the problem with Boca is that the, the coach can almost never take those guys off. He took off, I think, um, he took off Eriti and mm. other... Well, I think the biggest, slightly bigger than that, is not so much just not being able to sub them. It's more the same thing that, that, that Borsi suffered from in the Apertura and the reason that, that Riquelme only ended up playing a game and a half. It, it's not just that you can't take certain players off. It's that as soon as Riquelme is able to walk <laughs> at a very slow pace for an hour and a half without having to sit down and catch his breath, he's got to go straight in the starting eleven. Well, exactly, which is what um, happened here, where, as you said, they won all the games in the, in the yeah. summer tournaments and without Eddie Calme. Yeah. And first game back, he's semi-fit and they threw him back on and they, yeah. there's no kind of allowances there's no saying okay this guy's not played a competitive game yeah. let's bring him with, on without problems let's give him 45 minutes in 8 months not an option, he's yeah. got to be he's gently back in oh no he's the only hope we've got we're not going to score without yeah. him straight in the starting <laughs> 11 which is, is daft if yeah. I was a Boca fan which thank god I'm not <laughs> I'd, I'd be thoroughly upset by it <laughs> you didn't say that the same thing many times from 2000 to 2010, right? Well, no. <laughs> this is just now that you they, say, thank God I'm not a Boca fan. During the first half of the decade, they were, they were all right. But, um, <laughs> they, they seem, all right. but, but as a club, they, they seem kind of reluctant. And, and I'm, not saying, I'm not suggesting for a second that this doesn't also apply to River, certainly under the old presidency, not, maybe not so much under Passarella. But as a club, they seem reluctant to admit that they're in a hard situation and that they need to start thinking about you know, in, in a season or in a season and a half's time, they're going to be starting to worry about the promedio when when some of their championship points from what the 2008 Clausura yeah. um, get wiped which, out. Yeah, speaking of which, uh, you, we all remember very recently Racing had like three or four seasons mm-hmm. playing against yeah. the, mm. the relegation, yeah. and, and we even had to play the playoff promotion relegation. Yeah. Now, if Racing beat Boca on Sunday, they're level mm. on average, on yeah. point average, and that. Which story. one year ago yeah. as well, no yeah. one would have imagined. Kind of. Boca was first in the yeah. promedios yeah, yeah. for the yeah. last three years. Now it's Estudiantes, of course. Yeah. It used to be Lanús. But yeah, you're right in that. Yeah. They, they really will, will start worrying about that next, next season, maybe. Yeah. And the thing about the promedios as well is once you kind of get down in kind of the bottom eight, seven clubs, it's very, very difficult to b- get back up. Yeah. Mm. Because it's done over three years. You have two bad years, you know, you're going to be down there for for the next two easily yeah like Gymnasia yeah like Gymnasia has been yeah. there for 15 years yeah. maybe I don't know <laughs> what do you think Gymnasia's chances are this year of that with, with Guillermo Barroschelotto coming back and looking um, perhaps not exactly a, a pivotal role throughout the game but he, he did have one very important piece of, uh, of action that that swung the destiny of, of, of that match on uh, was it Friday night to, it was to Saturday. Get the, Saturday yeah sorry Saturday to get the draw away to to San Lorenzo when he um, I, I still couldn't see it to be honest I, I, I think it was I a couldn't penalty. see the lack of contact yeah. I, th- I thought it was a penalty but when they were replaying yeah. the the dive I'll, I'll mm. put it in inverted commas um, immediately after it happened the commentators even then on Canal Siete were, were up in arms going oh no no he's just uh, he's not touched him he's not touched him at all even whilst they were showing this guy clattering him <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's straight through his shin no the, Baldassi the, the, the referee actually we're recording this on a Tuesday and he's been Filing uh, filing charges against mm. uh, Matias Jimenez because yeah. Matias Jimenez, the oh, one yeah, who fouled Guillermo Barros Chiloto, said that Valdasi invented that penalty mm. and he he take he took him to court. I don't know if that's gonna be 
but hilariously, he's not taking you know every newspaper in Argentina to court. And they've all said the same thing. Yeah. They're all quite adamant that yeah. Bar- Rochelle died. And, and, and Baldassi... He wasn't. It was contact. He played for the penalty, but there was contact. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He, he was definitely it was also one of those stupid penalties, penalties where he was running away from the goal kind of thing. Yeah. Like the player yeah. shouldn't have been anywhere near yeah. him. Yeah, and the contact was more on the hip than on on the feet. Everybody's yeah. looking at the feet, but the contact is a really fast, a really it's quick on. play. And and so, but but apart from that penalty incident, I think uh, you can't hide the, the moral boost that uh, Guillermo Barros Echeloto has brought to Gimnasia no, in a way. When Sabela resigned and uh, for Estudiantes and Barros Echeloto signed for, for Gimnasia, it was kind of like the mood was swinging in, in yeah. La Plata. It was moving from Estudiantes' side. Mm. Yeah, well, I think about maybe 8,000 people came, came down to the stadium when he was presented, and then another 15, 20 were coming to the pre season games, you know. And for a club yeah. that's been yeah, pretty low for quite a few years, yeah. that's impressive, you know, to yeah. have one player. And a pretty old player at that. What do we think? He's about 45, 47 now. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, yeah, to inspire a club like that is um, yeah. very impressive. I actually thought yeah, he played quite well. Like a, yeah, yeah. He was still running. He, he played the whole match. And yeah. They were and even talking about um, Boca fans signing up for him. That's the membership. Did he, did he, did <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> to, be surprised. To, to support, yeah. you know, because Bad Rochelot was a, a hero there, obviously, as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, apparently a load of them drove down to La Plata and, and signed up for membership at Gimnasia just to, to really? support the guy when Boca aren't playing. Surprising, considering he's, he's coming from the MLS, which is uh, you know that IFHSS, whatever it's called, uh, ranking of, of uh-huh. leagues. It's like 56 or something, <laughs> and Argentina's league is, is seven. But they started gymnasia started quite well, getting a point at a very difficult ground, mm-hmm. and uh, it's one of the stories of the tournament that we we will follow with a big interest because it's not going to be it's not going to be easy for them, uh, and also their success could mean tragedy for River. Yeah. And other clubs like Huracan, big well, so Huracan, like a big club, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. They could be, they could be a big, big club kind of fighting this year. It's exactly. Definitely one thing that could come out. Yeah. I, I think Huracan, are, the, the way that River looked during the Apertura, I think Huracan will, will have more problems because yeah. I, I went to both quite, quite a lot actually during the Apertura. I, I, I went to River more, but because I, I live in San Telmo and Huracan are very close geographically, I also ended up going to them. You know, a fair few weekends when, when River went at home, and um, they were absolutely woeful. Yeah, just uh, the yeah. crowd turned on them like I've never seen a crowd turn on any team. And they haven't changed. That's yeah. <laughs> let me tell you. And as, as we saw with uh, a very kind of limp draw to Argentinos uh, last night, as we're recording on on Monday night, where they gave up a like an 88th minute equaliser to yeah, they scored the first in the first minute. They got a penalty. They score, courtesy of the new signing. Javier Campora, and then they 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 were happy with that. Of course, they were winning, but they probably uh, sit back to defend a lot, and that almost never works. You have to be Mourinho for that to work. Right, you know? yeah. uh, almost never works, and you knew you knew Argentinos was going to. It was score. coming. Yeah, I think it was coming. I mean, I watched the game not particularly attentively, but you could you could tell that yeah, Argentinos were pushing all the time, and it was only going to be a matter of time. Yeah. Before they got the equaliser. So they dropped two very valuable points, and River fans, uh, Gimnasia fans, Tigre, and even Independiente fans are beginning to take a look at the Promedios uh, yeah. table two, where we're all celebrating that yeah. Argentinos Juniors goal. You know, that's that's the beauty of, uh, in a way, it's, a, it's beautiful that uh, a lot of teams are involved in the relegation yeah. battles because 
we all we we know, we know all about that. Being yeah. Racing fans, we all know about that. It's a familiar feeling, yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing that I I'm not using my calculator anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And I think the, one of the more interesting games on the weekend, Sam, was the one you went to. On, I didn't end up going in the end. We were, we were talking about it last week, but the one you went to on Friday night. It, yeah, it was it was a very good game. Um, Juan Manuel Martinez for Vélez got applauded onto the field by the entire visiting section, <laughs> uh, not by the home home fans. He, he was the the player for those of you who saw it who won the penalty and did absolutely nothing else for Argentina against Portugal last Wednesday yeah, yeah I had no time for minutes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I'm not being too <laughs> but he, he came on with five minutes to go and didn't really touch the ball until he got yeah, hilariously yeah. taken he, out he in did the more than Lavezzi I think yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're not wrong there um, but he, he came on actually for, for Vélez with probably 20 minutes to go Independiente had, had gone in at half time tune it up and, and I turned around to the um, I, I took an Austrian couple who were in Buenos Aires for the weekend to the game and I turned around to them at half time and said this, if, if Independiente can make this tell it'll be a good point for them because, uh, three points for them rather because I think they'd have been happy with a draw before the game started given how badly they played during the Apertura and they were 2-0 up against you know, a side who are one of the favourites to win the Copa Libertadores this year a very good footballing team in, in Belo Sarsfield um, Maxi Morales, the, the former Racing striker down in English down in Serbia, nodding their heads furiously at this, uh, scored after about 30 seconds of the the second half. In I have to say, from from the stands, and I've still not seen a replay or a decent replay of this. It looked an absolute mile offside. He was um, a mile yeah, onside. Onside. Yeah, 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 I'm happy to tell you. He, he yeah. timed his run well. Okay, <laughs> good. And then Martinez came on with probably 20 minutes to go. He said after the game that he was shattered because he, he got off the plane back from Switzerland, I think, on Thursday, th- on Thursday yeah. kind of Thursday evening. And, and yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised he was even on the bench. Yeah. And he looked tired. You know, he, he looked sluggish compared with how he normally is, although he had a couple of runs at the, the defenders. But you can tell he was tired from watching, but he still did very well to, to get the equaliser, and it finished up 2 2. It was a really entertaining game. Mm. Yeah. And, and I also discovered that if you ever want a nice, relaxing stroll to the ground in Argentina, you have to do it by turning up two hours early. You'll be bored as hell once you get into the ground. <laughs> but you can you can saunter up the main avenue without any police checks yeah, and walk straight yeah. in with a nice yeah, smile at, pat at, on the back. Especially uh, on a weekday. Especially on a weekday like Friday. Yeah. yeah. And do, by the way, that draw uh, makes me want to ask you a question. Like in general, not not only with this Independiente Vélez, but this is probably one of the few cases in which a team from outside the Big Five has a as we call it, paternidad, like who's an advantage. Yeah, who's your daddy? <laughs> who's your daddy? Yeah, that's probably the best so, chance. So, <laughs> so Vélez tends to be the Independiente. They, mm. they, they, w- yeah. they, they won more matches between the two than they lost. I'm wondering, and also Godoy Cruz never lost uh, at La Bombonera. They, <laughs> they played four times. Yeah. They, we had, they had two draws, two wins. So do you think head-to-head historical results have any kind of magical... I, I, I probably have to ask Mystic Dan about that. <laughs> <laughs> Is it something? No, you, as a coming, like I'm sure. Psychological. These these guys. It's hard to tell for us because we've we've come in in the last few years, kind of thing. And, but it's for us, for example, teams like Estudiantes and Velas, We can we see them as as, as powerhouses, as yeah. dominant teams. But so many people in Argentine football, no matter what's happened in the last ten years, they, they don't see them as, as grandes. They don't yeah, they're still teams. They'll they'll still champ, they keep still, Chico, yeah, 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 they, yeah, they still play expect play. them to go to Monumental or Bomanera and lose, or or to play like a small team to defend. 
it's kind of weird for us because we don't have this 40 years of history right, yeah. behind us of following the league. It's, it's more like five or ten years. No, that's why I said in general because maybe we can we can talk about this in, in other leagues and international yeah. football. Uh-huh. You know, like a team that always beats beats the other team. It doesn't matter whether they're playing fantastically well in recent years or not. You know, like boogie teams. Like uh, I think in the case of rivalries, it can sometimes work that way because although it's a massive cliche to say it. You know, form goes out the window yeah. for derby games, and so you'll often find that that a team who who might slaughter everybody else. I mean, I, I guess a, an example that springs to mind would be that traditionally, obviously not this season, Atletico Madrid have been Barcelona's bogey team, oh, yeah. and always lose to Real Madrid. You know, and, and it's kind of uh, they always shoot themselves in the foot because they lose to the team that they want to be beating and, and beat the one team who've got a good chance of yeah. always finishing above that. That yeah. same side in the league. I'm just trying to think, of, for example, in terms of the Italian league, which is the one I probably follow most, uh, apart from the Argentinian. I, I, I don't think it has. I could be wrong, but I don't think it has such an effect because you, you think mm. ten years ago, two, around 2001, 2002, when Roma and Lazio were very strong. Um, I don't think they had the same fear of Juventus and, and Inter and stuff that were. Yeah. Mm. I, I definitely would never say there's a kind of causal link within rivals. I mean, as I say. The part of me that, that, that is a River fan definitely cares about the fact that we've won fewer, fewer Super Classicos than Boca. But I don't. If, if Boca beat River, I don't sit there watching and think, "Oh, this is because Boca have won more game." You know, it's. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but maybe it's, I don't know. In, in in some way, it affects psychologically. Saying, "Okay, we're going to play the, here," and even though we are not related or have no idea uh, how this team played in the 20s or the 40s or mm-hmm. the 70s we never win this here so it's, it's uh, probably builds up in your mind reminds you know? me a lot of Spain actually uh, where like at the Euros they hadn't been Italy in exactly. yeah. two years yeah. or something and, and actually no, and, and now that you put it like that it reminds me of the um, we've heard a lot in, in the Premier League I, I watch um, the BBC's match of the day most weekends through and possibly not entirely legal um, methods, <laughs> so I'm, I may edit this section out. <laughs> and and there's been a lot from kind of the English commentators saying all kinds of stuff like, uh, you know, Blackpool haven't won against Liverpool at Anfield in, you know, since since 1967 or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. I'm plucking that out of the air, and obviously they did this year, and people started bringing it up. And you're, you're thinking, they haven't played since, since 1967. Blackpool have only yeah. played at Anfield like <laughs> twice, yeah. so it's not really. It doesn't mean that much. Yeah. If, if they won't last time they play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so right. it's, it's something. No, I don't like. hold those kind of statistics. Yeah, I'm, I'm, right. I mean, we, we, like we, we saw the last five years kind of things. Yeah, if, if the players can remember and yeah. have rivalries, but uh, what and happened? Because yeah. I mean, we saw an All Boys. I think it was All Boys. Or it might have been one of the teams who came up last season, and they won a, a couple of games against one of the the grandest. And everybody started saying, "Oh, they this is this is All Boys." I think it was Boca. This is All Boys' second consecutive win against Boca. <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah, but the last one was in 1987." Yeah. I mean, especially in Argentina, you could probably say that that holds true because probably aside from maybe let's say a dozen players who have probably played for the same club more than for quite a while, there's probably no other players that have played for the same club more than five six years with the turnover of players and the good players ending up in Europe and then coming back like. Mm-hmm. It's a very select few who who could kind of remember that far back to think, oh, we haven't beaten, say, Boca in six years. Well, it's funny because Barcelona's last goal they were talking about it the other night was against for Gimnasia was against uh, San Lorenzo, but it was like 1989 or something. <laughs> <laughs> so he's one of those guys that transcends generations. Right. So Racing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was um, I was going to ask. We know that we've spoken about the game that I was at, and and at least one of us. 
went to another game this weekend. Dan was... Um, we have to commiserate him, actually. Newly disabled English Dan. <laughs> which he'll explain in a second, I, I hope, because it's, it's a good, good story. Um, so. <laughs> was in the away end for, for Racing know what you're talking about. against Ormois. Well, yeah, um, well, for a start, Racing won 1-0, which, to be honest, is a fantastic result. It might not seem it to someone kind of looking outside on Argentine football, but if you consider that in the Apodora, uh, Orbois managed to beat Boca, River, Independiente and the Estudiantes. I think they were the big four that they that they beat. Again, going back to this idea of this mythical yeah. big four that are unbeatable. They only lost um, to Vélez at home. The first they only week. lost to yeah. Vélez at home, but yeah. So, always in their tiny little stadium in Floresta are a hell of a a hell of a proposition to beat on their own turf but Racing you know they didn't play too well they came out trying to play some nice football they had uh, Franco Zuccolini playing from the start and he was looking good uh, Gio Moreno started well as the game went by all boys were were hitting very hard like a lot of very ferocious tackling going in so for that kind of the game lost a lot of its coherency and started getting a bit scrappy but the important thing is Racing managed to get a winner 15 minutes from time through uh, Gabi Auche, who just can't seem to stop, stop scoring at the moment. And it was very nice goal as well. It was a Tevez. I, I, I mm. tweeted, I was on Twitter and, and, and on Facebook, I said, yeah. this was a Tevez kind of goal. <laughs> and if you have an, an opportunity, just Google that. Yeah. It's uh, Auche, Gabriel Auche, Racing against all boys. And the way he went to the to the right with the outside of his foot and then yeah. shot to, to the far post. But it's interesting it you beautiful. say that, actually, because... Um, from you know my privileged position as a journalist in uh, Racing Popular, <laughs> we could see almost nothing of the pitch, and from, <laughs> where, and from the position we were in the in the stands, it actually looked like a pretty scrappy goal. It kind of looked like it took a couple of deflections. There was play, there um, was a deflection, but then play, yeah. but then he cleared the, the the ball to the to the right outside um, of the way of the defenders, and yeah. then when the goalkeeper was coming, he hit it to the far post yeah. so I think my first reaction to the goal when I saw it obviously you know we just about saw it creep into the middle of the net you know hugging and all this kind of thing and I think yeah the first thing to spring, my, spring to my mum was uh, que gol de orto <laughs> pretty much but then kind of got home watched it on the replay again and I was like actually that was really good yeah, I'll take it, it back was, it was but no but I mean three points very well earned for Racing and well, I was going to say before we heard this tragic news which we're going to get yeah. onto soon it's a kind of result that, that is sort of championship winning yeah. start where they they had a lot of midfielders missing uh, yeah a lot of players out, yeah. and uh, the kind of result as well that kind of historically Racing don't get right mm. it was can, a really tough yeah. kind of grinding out the win kind of thing yeah. and, which um, is not something they excel in to be fair very impressive uh, and two players making their first appearance uh, for Racing yeah. uh, this defensive midfielder Poklava and, and Respuela outside mm. midfielder they play really really two, yeah, well the two youngsters played very well yeah yeah but then the, the big story, we were hearing this on Tuesday and we, we still have to wait for official confirmation. Yeah. It's happening, I think the official confirmation is coming about now, so yeah. maybe we can put a note on the, on the podcast yeah, website remember, when, um, yeah. when it comes out. But yeah, we heard, it's not official yet, but the, uh, the Twitter buzz is that Gio Moreno is going to be out for six months and me and Seba were almost in tears. <laughs> yeah, Gio Moreno is a very talented playmaker from Colombia. Yeah. We were... Um, hoping to see him in the Copa America, this maybe uh, puts him out of the Copa America oh, as well. Yeah. Which would be a disaster, yeah. Yeah, and yeah Dan uh, already had his Geo versus Leo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Geo versus Leo, the best player in the world, yeah. And uh, yeah, he's, uh, it was. 
probably the main story of the game after after the win and everything. Yeah. Everyone was talking about how how nasty this uh, Hugo Barrientos midfielder yeah. for for all boys was uh, playing on on Gio Moreno. He was yeah. hitting him every time, even when he was off mm. the ball. He kicked the hell out of him. I think there was one really kind of really kind of stark example which everyone was replaying after the game. It was uh, Barrientos and Moreno went up for a header. Uh, Moreno's roughly two foot higher than Bar Barrientos, so basically. Um, the little old boys guy just kicked Moreno very hard in the leg to bring him back down to size. <laughs> yeah. And now I think that he ended up on the pitch. He only got a, a yellow card for, I think, for protesting a foul, which was clearly a foul in the end. Like not even for for one of his horrific tackles, yeah. which was incredible. We we were mentioning him actually in um, the pod towards the end of last year. We mentioned uh, Barrientos and how he was trying to single-handedly bring all boys' <laughs> good reputation into the gutter. Because he was the same player that long-term listeners might remember us talking about who elbowed Banfield's Ruben Ramirez in the mm -hmm. face. So it seems like he's on a bit of a campaign to destroy any attackers who come up against him, really. Yeah. yeah. But I think, kind of, speaking more generally, it's, it's a real problem in Argentine football that these kind of flair players, people like uh, Moreno, Riquelme, Ortega, kind of all these you know, immensely talented players, a lot of the time they're not, they're not given the chance to play because they're hit so hard as soon as they get the ball. And either kind of they have to learn and start diving to get fouls, you know, for self-preservation, or mm. they just can't end up getting kicked out of the game and not performing. Like yeah. this is a real problem in. What amazes me is a lot football. of these because there's so many of these really little playmaker kind of guys like Maxim, yeah. uh, Maxim Morales and and Buonanotte, and those guys get hit so hard and they just, they fly ten feet through the air. Mm. The guys that I guess that, that make it, they know how to get up and they, mm. they keep playing. But it's amazing how how tough those guys are. It's really lucky that Messi is playing when he is doing because he's got the protection that he deserves from referees and you know when Maradona was playing Messi may or, uh, he'll probably score more goals than Maradona and I think he's already won more uh, club trophies than, than Maradona did and whether he'll ever you know go down in Argentine history as, as a better player is for now a moot point but he, he Maradona never got the protection that Messi got Pelé never got this protection and in the Argentine league it's almost kind of like it's still the kind of 70s and 80s at times the, the referees they don't the seem to way. get it. Yeah, they yeah. look the other way, and they even uh, they, they they are more keen on on showing yellow cards for Ortega or the playmakers yeah. mm. that probably dive one but, or two yeah. times. Or they get irritated and start kind of hitting out. Because I think Moreno might have even picked up a yellow on on Sunday. Don't quote me on it, but yeah. I think yeah. he might have. And I mean, p part of the irony is that Argentina's not exactly blessed with with great centre backs, and you, you sort of. I, I, I don't want to draw too much of a causal relationship, but I, I do wonder whether the defenders might have to get a little bit better if the strikers were given some proper yeah. protection. And at the same time, some of the forwards who, at the moment, we you know maybe see getting injured a little bit too much to really develop, might end up being given that chance, might get a bit more confidence or whatever, and, and come through themselves. You know, Argentina could be better at, at the back and even better at the other end of the pitch. Well. I think you, you see guys like Bordiso when mm. he gets to Europe getting a red card every <laughs> every yeah. four weeks yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's used to getting so much protection that he's I think never break those habits. I think we had a case even last year at Racing as well. It was almost um, a carbon copy. We had uh, a young playmaker called uh, Louis Farina who came in for a couple of games and he was playing against Cologne who are, out of all the Primera teams, probably some of the hardest hit and they've got some very nasty... Um, Characters there, and yeah, Farina picked up a couple of crunching tackles from uh, Bichi Fuertes, who's old enough to be his dad. Yeah, and, and he's not even a defender. He's, yeah. he's not, not even a, a defender; he's a striker. Yeah, probably makes it worse. And, and, and he is. Yeah, and Farina ended up again. Yeah, 
doing his uh, cruciate ligaments in, yeah. being out for six months, he's, he's not just coming back. Now, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. just coming back. So, and, and for listeners who think we're guilty of hyperbole, Pichi Fuertes is literally old enough yeah. um, <laughs> to, to be his dad as well. I, I was wondering, Dan, partly because unless you do um, explain my introduction to that game isn't going to make any sense, whether you could give us your tale from the terrace on exactly how you and your friend got into War Boys against Racing. Ah, yes. Well, being the first game of the season, tickets are very hard to come by. More so in a stadium like All Boys, who I think, well, they were supposed to give us about 2,000, 2,500 tickets for the game. I managed to get one, but one of my friends who I always go to the stadium with, uh, Luciano, who's an absolute legend, kind of, he's got about 20 racing tattoos all over his body. <laughs> Which makes it difficult to walk down the street with him sometimes, but Dan's only we got get fifteen. Right? I've only got fifteen, so but I'm younger, and so he didn't have a ticket. So we thought, right, the best thing to do is go down to um, the neighbourhood where Allboys is, or just around the corner where Racing have their kind of capital headquarters. And we thought, ah, oh, there we might run into those lovely guys from the Barabrava who'll be having their pre-match drinks. They weren't there, but somehow, luckily. We ran into the, this one guy who was just outside, and this guy was classified as disabled by the Buenos Aires government. And the wonderful thing is, in Buenos Aires, if, if you've got a disabled pass, you can go into any stadium for free and also bring a companion. So my friend Luciano ended up going, going into the stadium for free with this other guy as his um, official disabled companion. And, and this other guy had essentially just a, a dead arm or something, it wasn't Yeah, I think he um, didn't have full mobility in his arm after an accident. I mean, you know, fair enough, it stops him from working and everything, but it doesn't stop him from, you know, getting high and jumping around on the, uh, <laughs> racing, on the racing stands for 90 minutes, that's no, for sure. No members of the Hand of Pod team got high whilst watching football <laughs> matches this weekend, I can't stress that enough. Same lawyer. Okay, well, we'll break for a second and um, play a few seconds of our nice theme music because I realised whilst producing last week's episode that I completely forgot to leave any time for it <laughs> at all. We didn't have a segment. And, um, and then we'll come back for, uh, for Mystic Dan, if, if you're feeling connected to the I feel much better this week, actually. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll be back in a second. Okay, so seeing whether we can um, pick himself up, dust himself off and keep going from last week's superb run of predictions, which might have made you a lot of money on betting if if you bet the right amounts on the right matches. Um, there was a few harsh results there, like the, we were talking about the, Inde, the Independiente game, yeah. the goal in the last minute kind of thing, I, I had that down as a... I was actually looking as well, I, I, I'll talk about it afterwards properly, but the Lanus, um, the Lanus game. Alright, so very close to being right. But <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'll give you the predictions for this week. So we got um, uh, I don't think this is the order the games are being played because I got it out of the, the preseason guide, but we got okay, I'm picking River against Huracan. I'm picking we have Argentinos Independiente, I'm picking uh, Independiente. Vélez at home to All Boys. Uh, Racing at home to Boca. I did that before this Gio Moreno news, but I think Anyway, I think Racing are going to win that one, putting a lot of pressure on Boca. 
Uh, go to Cruz to, to draw with San Lorenzo. Gimnasia to draw with Olimpo. Banfield, who I thought uh, were one of the, the worst teams in the first round, uh, going to lose uh, at home to Colón. Uh, Estudiantes to win away at Quilmes. Newell's Lanús a draw. And Arsenal to beat Tigre. Lovely. Interesting. Estudiantes away in inverted yeah. commas at Kilmer. Yeah, I think exactly. they've actually they, they've played their last home game at Kilmer's ground now, haven't they? They're, they're going to have to find somewhere else to play. The last home game and the last whole season. Uh, because they, the, they the Estadio Único is Estadio Unico being reopened. Yeah. It's being revamped for yeah. the Copa America. So it's being reopened. There was a, a, an advert about it in yesterday's Olay, actually. It's being reopened later this month. But anyway, yeah, one of the other matches which, which Mystic done was... I wasn't being entirely sarcastic, you were very close to getting it right, it was Lanus against Arsenal on, on Monday night, which, for most of the game, wasn't really that interesting, and then it kind of caught light in the last ten minutes. And I wanted to talk about it, because uh, it involved one of the a really central figures to those last ten minutes. It was one of the players we were talking about in our transfer roundup last last week, Mauro Camoranesi. Lanus took uh, a leap fairly early in the second half of Diego Valeri, who Yeah, another of the new, new yeah. signings, but coming back to Lanus from, yeah. from Europe. Yeah. Um, a very successful spell in Europe. And, and Cameronese got brought on in, uh, I think, around the 75th or 80th minute or so, and almost the first thing that he did was give away a free kick, from which Arsenal scored an absolutely fantastic equaliser from about 30 yards out. And so with that game heading to, towards 1-1, and Dan's prediction of a draw looking <laughs> brilliant. Camoranesi produced an absolutely superb pass over the top for, um, for Sal- Regueiro. Yeah, I, I typed Salguero on Twitter last night, but it was actually Regueiro uh, to head home, and, and Lanus ended up winning 3-1. They scored twice in, in stoppage time. I feel a bit of a, a tip, because when River missed out on, on Camoranesi, I, I said that I thought they'd been lucky, because I never really liked him that much as a player. I still don't like him that much as a player, but it was a brilliant pass, and it was exactly the kind of thing that, that River have have missed and admittedly he wouldn't have had to produce it to win the game if he hadn't given away the free kick <laughs> but yeah still I'd, I'm going to say well done to Mauro Camoranesi it my man fantastic. of the weekend was he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who was who was your man of the weekend? maybe Esteban Fuertes who es- scored Esteban two Fuertes goals? did yeah he, he, he got the double he was um, another who I was considering for the award which I just invented five seconds ago <laughs> um <laughs> My advice goes to Beachy. I gave him the award on my um, on goal.com and I'll give it to him here as well. Mm. Right. And so actually, I might cast a sympathy vote for Riquelme as well after supposedly being the reason that Boca shipped four goals, not <laughs> their, their useless defence or their indecisive goalkeeper. Yeah. So we sh- should we talk a little bit about the m- probably on paper the most interesting game this weekend, Racing Boca? Yeah. yeah, why not? It, it's you, the, the first big Clásico mm-hmm. of the season. We've well, got. We've got two Racing fans and no Boca fans here, so this discussion this could might be, be a little one-sided, but yeah. we'll try and. And we'll what, try where's, and where's the, half, uh, the half plus one, as they call themselves? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are the half here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, since my since my son was born, fifth of March, two thousand and ten, we played Boca twice, but it was twice at La Bombonera, and we won twice. So I'm hoping we will ride on this kind of. A, 
successful run for, for Felipe. He's a 100% success record against Boca. So. Even though he's been smiling at Independiente goals, you were telling us. Uh, well, he, yeah, you know, <laughs> he's young. Kids, he'll, he'll, yeah. learn. He'll, he'll learn. <laughs> Are you going to be taking him into the Popular at Racing? No, no, Will no. he be entrusting no. him to Dan for the weekend? To, yeah. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take Felipe Dan, yeah. He'll be, he'll be safe with that. No, Felipe will be getting high at home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure your wife will be delighted with that. <laughs> Once so, more, Hand Pod does not condone the use of illegal drugs. Stays <laughs> Um I think as a, if I if if I if I had to speak as a fan, I'm a bit concerned about not only about Gio Moreno's injury, which we still need to see how how bad it is, and it could affect the psychological psychological part of aspect of of the team, but also because all pressure is going to be on Boca and. It's, it's impossible they're going to do as badly as they did no, Boca will be out for blood yeah. Herbiti is not going to play so they'll probably mm. introduce Rivero instead of him mm. so it's going to be a more combative midfield for, for Boca so, uh, I'm thinking more of a draw Could I'm be, thinking yeah. a draw yeah I think yeah. it makes a big difference because um, I think we can safely assume although not having heard the news that Moreno won't be playing Hmm. We don't know how long he will be out for, but we can assume that he won't be there for Boca. Yeah, it should be at least. So that will probably mean that Racing will probably switch to maybe a kind four, of a four-four-two four, and two. orthodox. And yeah, at this point, maybe with uh, Toranzo and Jacob out, as it looks like as well, it will be a good result. Kind of if they can nick a win, more the better. Dan, yes. do you have any um, opinion on this game? No, yeah, as, as, as racing, I said, yeah. I said Racing. Um, of course. I was, I think I should advocate. Boca because there's nobody else here for Boca. But the stars are spiking that. <laughs> I, I think after after the, the way Boca played last week, they're gonna, you know, it's such a it's gonna be such a hard game for them. But what if they revert to the form they were showing during the summer? Because that uh, didn't happen lo- long time ago. Yeah, but we've talked fairly extensively about this on Hannapod. We don't put we much hate, stock in we the, hate the summer in the summer over at Hannapod. Yeah, as actually Seba does as well. Yeah. He almost unfollowed me over the summer yeah. for mentioning the Super Classic. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I was mentioning it to mock it. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking um, Bruno Zaccolini will be will be back. Yeah, he'll yeah. be back. I, I'm not sure he's going to play. Maybe Russo is going to keep the same team except for yeah. right. the suspended Cajais, Matias Cajais, a defender. Yeah. Probably going to be replaced by Abel Daño. And also now Giovanni Moreno has I think, to get I, I, think the, I think it's the, the amount of pressure that's going to be on Boca, I, I think, might make the difference here. Mm. So I think it's going to be two straight losses to Boca, and they're, they're mm. going to be reeling at the start of the season. Ojalá. Let's hope you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Ojalá. <laughs> Can you think of any reasons why Boca are going to win, Sam? Um, and with Sergio Araujo coming back and having been although he's an idiot <laughs> having been relatively well rested at least for the Copa for the Sudamericano because he wasn't playing every game when perhaps they might have been better off putting him in more often than not I, I, I can see Boca snatching it but I'm definitely not expecting them to you know I, I can see a way that they could win or, or definitely I can definitely see it finishing as a draw but do you think um, he's gonna, Araujo is going to be picked ahead of Moche for example because Moche was no he was I, can, I can see him coming off the bench uh, to some kind of impact. So it's only more so than than Beatri would coming off the bench. So he's the slowest, what nineteen twenty year old I've ever seen in my life. Because last Sunday was bad was a bad night for Boca, and you could mm. tell because when Moche is the best player in your team, <laughs> uh, you got to worry. Yeah, yeah, that tells the story. So maybe yeah. uh, M- Moche up front for Boca, I like more so than their other options because Palermo and Beatri last season 
the slowest strike partnership in world football, and it was just history, desperately, world football history. yeah, um, <laughs> desperately crying out for an injection of pace, and that at least Malche will give you. But aside from that, I, no, uh, I wouldn't pick Araujo ahead of him, but I could see Araujo coming off the bench and having some kind of impact, particularly as, as damages with with guys out of Racing's defence. Um, you know, I tell you what, if he scores against Racing, I'm gonna go round round his house. <laughs> I remember, when, <laughs> but you know he will. Like these yeah. players yeah. always yeah. score against Racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember <laughs> shortly after I, I arrived in Buenos Aires last year, Rogelio Funes Mori scored a hat trick against Racing. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's after roughly, going like yeah. ten days, yeah. ten, ten games without scoring. They, they they were the I think they were the second, third, and fourth goals he ever scored for Rivers' first team actually as well. And I remember the, some of the texts that you were sending me during that match. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I think the one that really killed us last year was um, in the Apertura when we were playing Estudiantes and we got beat 3-0 I think Uh, the second no in uh, Apertura Ah, ah, I saw we got beat 4-0 and then (laughs) Apertura 2-0 2-0 it was and Gabi Mercado and the second goal was from a guy called uh, Gabi Mercado who in 100 games for Racing scored one goal (laughs) and that was about his third game for Estudiantes and he'd already equalled against (laughs) Racing and he scored he scored uh, he scored at the weekend on Friday, yeah, yeah, against News. Yeah. He's, he's scored about five in twenty, I think. Yeah, for he's, 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 he's kind of a well, certainly, certainly at Racing and, and for the start of his spell at Estudiantes, he's kind of a, a flying right back more yeah. than a, a more attacking player. I think Estudiantes now are playing kind of three-four-one-two, so he's playing as more of a wide midfielder. Mm. So they're they're advancing him slightly, but he's certainly not the kind of player that you'd be happy about scoring against nah. your club. Yeah. Uh, did you speaking of Estudiantes? Did you? Notice any differences in their, their tactics or formation? Uh, this Veriso's uh, mm. only been in for a week before their first game, mm. but was it more of the same? Or? Uh, I think um, one of the journalists in, in Ole, he likes to play the El Contra, which is something someone uh, yeah. who's against everyone, like he doesn't yeah. like anybody. He's kind of a, he's um, he's kind of playing, you know, through mm. through his column, and he was saying, you did you did well, Veriso, you did well. Uh, don't take any credit out of uh, what you did because <laughs> you did very well and you ha- you did what you had to do at Estudiantes and that is listening to Verón. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, that's that's a joke and that's pretty harsh. But um, I think Beriso was very honest uh, yeah. after the game and he said, "I can't take the credit for this win because I I've only been here for a, mm. a week, yeah. so I don't have any." I haven't had any influence on the mm-hmm. team yet. So and to uh, be honest with the Estudiantes, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. They yeah. still got. They lost uh, a couple of players maybe over the over the summer, and they lost their manager Savela. But apart from that, you know, they still got the best team in Argentina yeah. for me. So mm. he really doesn't need to do anything too clever. We should actually exactly. we we haven't mentioned Enzo Perez, who had a fantastic game. Mm. Yeah, he's my yeah. player of the week actually. There we go. Yeah, oh, he was I, I, yeah. I didn't see two assists and a penalty. Yeah, he, he was unstoppable. It was amazing. Yeah. I didn't see the game obviously because I was on my way to the Independiente match, so uh-huh. I'm going to use that as the excuse. Yeah, right. Um, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see much of the match either. But I remember with Perez, I made him my um, player of the year for the Apertura. So All right. it's right. good to see. Good to see he's carrying on. Um, and the interesting point about that is that um, Savela, before he left, was the one that prevented Enzo Perez from going away to the national team. So if he'd gone. Yeah. To, to Switzerland, he wouldn't have been playing in this match. I'm sure Newells were delighted about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um, actually, Estudiantes brings us on to probably quite quickly because this is already turning into a fairly epic recording, which I'm going to have to edit down again. <laughs> um, a point that we should probably mention uh, in the coming week is that the, the Copa Libertadores group stage, which 
started last week, but there was only one game played in the entire competition last week. It was uh, between Argentinos and Fluminense in Rio de Janeiro, and it finished 2-2. Two, two, two? Two, two, yeah. two, 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 two goals by Franco Neal, very short guy two yeah. headers. He's, he's four foot eight, more or less, Franco Neal. You were talking about him on the... the Football show. I was doing, yeah, which which I'll put a link up. I, I feel it's only fair to plug them since I spent most of my appearance on there plugging Hand of Pod. <laughs> I'll put a link up to that on the blog. But yeah, it's always nice to, to see the Libertadores coming back. As we'll, we'll try not to mention it too much because obviously you can listen to the Gib Football Show preview, which has got two contributors who cover Brazil, one from Mexico, and a guy covering the rest of the continent, as well as myself on Argentina. But it's going to be really good to, to have it back. It's my favourite competition, actually, in, in world football. And Vélez played on almost as we are recording this against yeah, Caracas at home. Playing, yeah. Interesting about Vélez was they were going into this match, but we talked about their possible formations. But They don't have Silva, but they're, they're going with basically four attack. Okay. Mieres and Maxi Morales, yeah. uh, Martinez and... Guillermo Franco. Yeah. Oh, so Ramirez and, and Morales are playing. Yep, they're the all playing. Because we were discussing that last week and saying that it was maybe and going to try and rotate yeah. them. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think yeah. um, the game this week I'm probably most looking forward to in uh, Libertadores is comes on Thursday with uh, Gordo Cruz playing uh, Liga de Quito uh-huh. in their first ever game in the Libertadores against you know a team that have got an incredible kind of pedigree in continental competition yeah. in recent years yeah. the last couple of years as well and so I think that's going to be yeah, a fantastic game like very that's interesting in, to watch and that's, 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 Mendoza, isn't it? And that's the I same group so, yeah. of Independiente and Peñarol it's, it's one of the most yeah. intriguing groups yeah that's what I've, it's a very like e- any of those teams could qualify and I so think be, between the three between Independiente Peñarol and Liga de Quito there's like 15 Copa Libertadores yeah. titles combined yeah. it's amazing um, seven for Independiente, five for Peñarol, and one for so it's thirteen, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Godoy Cruz have probably got about thirty-seven Mendocino League titles. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want to mock them because they're actually a club I, I really like. But it's kind of it says a lot for for how far they've come in the last couple of years, mm. particularly. You know, since because mm-hmm. what two two years ago they were struggling against the Promedio, having just been promoted the previous season. It will be um, like what, like full and playing Champions League? Or? Yeah. It would be something like that, or something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. On on that note, I think we've covered everything to cover this week, and uh, as ever, I'm thoroughly looking forward to, to having to edit this down to a sensible length. I'm not sure exactly when this will be going online, because I've got a very busy day of house hunting ahead of me on on Wednesday. I'm going to see three different flats, so it'll probably be going up late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. We've recorded it on Tuesday night, but in order to try and join Australian Dan in looking prescient, I'll just say to sign off. Um, who would have thought that Lionel Messi against Arsenal would end up scoring two own goals and getting a red card for headbutting the referee? <laughs> what a shock. Yeah. Um, I'll say goodbye now and, and I'll leave our, our three guests, Dan, Seba and Dan, as well. Goodbye. Bye. Ciao. And, and as a little post-theme tune extra, which I just remembered after doing that, we've been mentioning Twitter quite a bit in this episode, and so I thought we could each, to, to plug ourselves, kind of mention our own Twitter profiles in case anybody wants to follow. I'm doing this partly because I'm within spitting distance of a thousand followers now, and I really want to get there before the end of the week. Oh, no. Um, I'm only, I, I only have 600 or something like that. So I've only no. got two, I'm getting up to 200, so... Oh, oh, Australian, yeah. Australian Dan... I already broke a thousand, yeah. Yeah. I'm it's assuming that everyone who listens to this is already following us, but anyway, well, they've already switched off. <laughs> yeah, they switched off by the. <laughs> no, mine is uh, at Argentina FW Argentina Football World. So. 
and mine is Dan Edwards Go. And I'm at uh, Mundo Albiceleste without the last E because he, he <laughs> couldn't, I couldn't fit it in. So it's Mundo Albiceleste. And, and mine, for similar reasons to Sebas, I wanted to be asked to have Siempre, but it wouldn't fit. So I'm H E G S underscore com. Thank you and good night.